everyone and everything except for Noah and his family, two of every kind of animal on the ark. So after that came God calling Abraham, Abram at the time, out of his land and from his family to uh, go to the land that God directed him. And Abram became Abraham, and he became the father of many nations because God blessed him. He obeyed. God blessed him and blessed him. And the nation of Israel, or the Jewish people, were um, founded. So now God chose those people, and I hear they're very stubborn, but he said, I'm going to choose these people, and if they're obedient to me, they will be a light to the rest of the world, showing all mankind what I want to do with them. But they too decided to disobey God. So we have the whole Old Testament, and God was always talking to the, his chosen people, the Israelites, about their disobedience and come back. I love you, and I want you to come back to me. If you don't, this, this, this is going to happen. You're going to get invaded. They're going to take you away into captivity. Just follow me. But in their wickedness, they chose not to. But God had always told them that there would be one that came to offer them salvation. And so people in the Old Testament, the Jewish people that did trust God and believed in God, were always looking forward to the time when the Messiah would come. So it was in their faith in what God had said that um, they drew close to God and in their obedience to him. So I have a cross right in the middle of that timeline. That's when Jesus came, his first coming. And we've all heard probably about the first coming, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we celebrate through his uh, sacrificial, uh, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. That was all his first coming when he was the Lamb of God, the Lamb that took away the sins of the world. Did the Jewish people follow him? He had disciples, and there were people that followed him. But for on the whole, those people did not believe in what he said. And um, that's a whole study in itself. So after um, Christ, the apostles went out teaching all the world about the salvation that he affords. And uh, we'll get into that just a little bit later, but that's when the church age started. So the church age is going on, and we're still in the church age. Here we are, church family. We're church family, and we have brothers and sisters throughout the whole world. We might not know their language, but we have a common Savior and a common belief that the Lord is, the Lord Jesus made the sacrifice and redeemed us from the power of sin. And we accept that and follow and are obedient to him. So this is all part of God's plan. 
So we're in the church age, but there's going to be a time at the church age where the Lord is going to come and do what's called the rapture. And that's what we're going to basically talk about tonight. And then right after the rapture, there's seven years of tribulation. Now, this isn't trouble, troubles like I got a flat tire in my car this morning or, oh, I'm in trouble now. This is God's pouring out and the world is in trouble. The rapture's happened and we've got a whole bunch of people that are not there. The governments are all uh, coming together, some of them coming against Israel. We're going to look at some of the signs of um, the coming times of that tribulation. And then at that end of that tribulation is the time when Jesus comes back for the second time at the rapture. We meet him in the air. He doesn't come back to, G to the earth. But in the, his second coming, he comes back. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight also. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. There's a verse that says we rule and reign with him. Well, a while back, I was thinking, where do we rule and reign? Are we ruling and reigning in heaven? And hmm, uh, who's to rule and reign up there? I thought we're all just under the rulership of Christ and, and everything. But it's during those thousand years of um, his millennial reign here on earth as King Jesus, that he comes back not as the Lamb of God, like his first coming, but it's his second coming, which he comes back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He rules and reigns for a thousand years. And then there's a lot that takes place after that. We get a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and eternity after that thousand-year millennium. So... Um, <coughs> Sometimes because it's still co coming uh, in the future, we don't hear much about it because we're so caught up in what's happening today for us. So um, I have a little note there that says God wants us to know what his plans are. That is why he gave us prophecy, his prophetic word. But it's not to scare us. It's going to prepare us. And um, almost a third of the Bible is prophecy. Now, I want to take you for an example in the Old Testament. Um, well, let's read Ezekiel. Uh, down. Let's go down the line before I get ahead of myself. God wants us to be a watchman. And that's why he wants us to know. God sets up watchmen. Uh, to sound an alarm. There's got to be somebody looking out for everybody else. And when that starts happening, they blow the trumpet or they let people know. And in uh, Ezekiel 33, it says, now if they watch, see something coming, and then they run and don't warn everybody, the blood is on their hands. But if they warn everybody and those people don't listen to the warning, then the blood's on their heads. All right, and so read Ezekiel 33. It's sort of, it's very interesting, but God has called us to be a watchman, 
and he wants us to watch, but we need to know what to watch for. And so that's where his prophetic word and us knowing it comes into play. So in Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 10, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. That's where we got into that little bit of holiness there of God, the holiness of God. He's not common. You can't find anybody, any place, any time, anywhere. Only God can fill that one spot. And then verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So this is in, again, Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 10. Now, the examples of his prophecies that have come about were um, demonstrated in the uh, Old Testament concerning his first coming. And I just gave a very few. I'd only put four down. And the list could be a page long. And he fulfilled every one of them about his birth. From Isaiah 9-6, Jesus, uh, the Messiah, will come as a baby. He's not going to going to rock it down in a rocket ship and be among the people. He had to come as a baby, as a human being. Isaiah 7, verse 14, says that there was going to be a virgin birth. And all of these have the fulfillment listed in the New Testament. In Micah 5, 2, it told those people that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. So you would have thought that every baby that was born in Bethlehem, they would have checked it out. But in Hosea 11, verse 1, as a child, he's going to come from e Egypt. You know, how could he be born in Bethlehem, and yet he's coming from Egypt? Well, I mean, that doesn't happen to every child, but it happened to Jesus. And that story is quite interesting, too. A little side note here. I like to tell people this. You know, the wise men brought baby Jesus, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And I think, oh... What kind of baby presents are those? It's not a rattle. It's not diapers. And it's not blankets for Mary and, and everything. Well, but here's Frank. They all were symbolic. But also they, provided, they were very costly. And they had to rush out from Bethlehem when Jesus was, some people estimate, somewhere between one and two years old, and take him to Egypt because Herod was trying to kill all the babies because they found out he was going to be a king. So they had to take him to Egypt. They had a donkey. There was no house, no family down there, no work, no job. Something was going to have to provide for them. So I have it in my mind that they probably used some of those things that were symbolic as their support down in Egypt. So it was fulfilled. He came out of Egypt. And then his sacrifice as the Lamb of God. Um, I wanted everybody to notice that Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 are coupling. 
that they tell about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and what he physically went through, emotionally went through, and sometimes just take a, a devotional day and read those two back to back, and your heart will just pour out in thanksgiving for what the Lord did for us in providing his salvation. And then the word, Old Testament and New Testament, is full of his second coming. So now he has not come a second time yet. We're like those people in the Old Testament looking forward to his coming as a first. But now the Bible is full of prophecies saying that he's coming again. And God wants us to know. Um, there's many well books out now, and the couple that I um, I wanted to don't have it there on your list, but there is a couple of um, books that I've read that I've encouraged other people to read. One of them is by Amir Sarfati, and you can get it at Hobby Lobby, <laughs> but um, it's called The Revealing Revelation. And it's good and very, very understandable. He talks about the book of Revelation um, in an understandable way. And then Dr. David Jeremiah, he's uh, talked about prophecy and the end times for a long time and has several books out. So I just recommend those. All right, let's go to page two. So what is the rapture? The original language in the Bible was Greek in, in this area, and the word is harpazo, and I misspelled it. If you have a pencil, cross out one of the Z's so that you know how to spell it correctly, but it's harpazo, harpazo, and it means to be caught up, caught away, to seize and carry off, or even to snatch up. And that's harpazo. Well, it was translated from the Greek into Latin. And the Latin word for harpazo is rapturo. Uh-oh, rapturo. All right? And so it's very close to what we now say is the rapture. In most Bible translations, they have translated harpazo or rapturo as caught up. And so, um, and harpazo, let's read First Thessalonians 4, verse 17, which is the most common uh, where that word is used. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Caught up, harpazo. In the New Testament, uh, we do have examples of this in the New Testament of harpazo when it happened. And one of them is in Acts 8, 26 through 39. We're not reading all of this, but it's when Philip was harpazo to a youth, um, Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, uh, Philip, God told him to go to this Ethiopian and... God just harpazoed him right to where that he was. And it was from Ethiopia, and he was sitting on his chariot reading, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. 
and he had many questions about salvation and relationship with God that he didn't understand. So Philip, when he found him, when he was harpazoed over, sat down, explained those scriptures to him. The Ethiopian was saved and came uh, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his Savior. And he was explained the message of salvation from the Old Testament because when Philip was there, they didn't have the New Testament written yet. So he explained salvation from the book of Isaiah that uh, the Ethiopian was reading. And uh, the eunuch just said, well, what's keeping me from being baptized right now? And so Philip baptized him. And then God just harpazoed him right back where he was. So there's one. All right, and um, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. Why didn't I fill that one out? We'll go on. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, um, <clears throat> where he's coming for, um, Jesus is coming for his church, his bride. And it says in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, now here's a visual. Uh, the people who have died before us, um, can you take your finger and point to where they are? Right now they're buried, okay? And we who are alive are just still standing on the earth. So when they come back, my visual is that God raises them up. Well, hi, let's go. Um, get that? So he raises them with us, and then we go up together, the church of God, or the church of Christ. Okay, uh, so... Don't be caught up in that, that he does them first and then us second. The Bible says that, but they don't go up and we're wondering where they're going. We go up at the same time. Okay, and then in Acts 1-9, Jesus was harpazoed, sort of. Jesus, he died and he was buried. He was resurrected. And then Harpazo, he got caught up, and they watched him go up. So Harpazo has happened. All right, in the Old Testament examples, and if sometime later you want to read those, Enoch, who walked with God, was Harpazoed. And 2 Kings 2, verse 12, Elijah was Harpazoed. All right, so everybody okay so far? Any questions? Any questions? All right. Looking forward to being harpazoed? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, so when will the rapture happen? Well, we know it. It's going to happen at the end of the church age and before the tribulation. So that's a good thing. Let's go to... Um, 
Matthew, if anybody has their Bibles, I'd appreciate you going to Matthew 24, 36, uh, before we go to Hebrews. And um, that says, if you don't have it, I'll read it to you. But of that day and hour, only the Father knows. Not even the angels of heaven know when that is. And uh, Jesus said that too. Only the Father knows. So when will that happen? God only knows. But I want you to know it says the day or the hour. But there are going to be the disciples had asked for signs of when this would happen. And we're going to list some of those in just a bit. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers of the, by the prophets, the prophets are giving all these clues too, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So I put a little notes there. We will know by studying the prophets because they do give clear cuts not only on the first coming, but on the second coming. And in Matthew 24, verse 3 through 51, this are listed the signs of the times and the end of the age. And so if you're more curious about the signs that Christ gave to the disciples on what are the signs and what's happening during that time, Always go back to Matthew 24 because it explains it uh, in a lot of detail. All right. Um, God always gives us clues to the mystery. And it stirs up a lot of curiosity in us all. Especially when we know that God said it's going to happen. And I trust God that he is not a liar. It is going to happen. And he wants us to know. So let that curiosity uh, for following some of these ideas and the scriptures here, study them out for yourself. One of the clues is found in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he now who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Let me say that again, because I don't think I said that clearly. Only he who now restrains will do so until he who restrains is taken out of the way. Pastor has alluded to this um, times when the Holy Spirit, uh, because we get harpazoed or raptured, and we are where the Holy Spirit presides, then when God takes us up, the restrainer doesn't have us to restrain anymore. So it, that's when there's a lot of mess and chaos. Satan wants to take over this world, and he's doing everything he can and spreading it like wildfire. So we all have a sin nature. God wants us all to come to him. And so there is a war. 
Let's go on with what will the rapture be like? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. How many of you like mysteries? Anybody like mysteries? Okay. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I'm saying if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. He doesn't call them dead. He calls them asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. <clears throat> Excuse me. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And therefore comfort one another with these words. In Matthew 24, verse 40 through 41. Then... Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Well, let's see. Who is taken in the rapture? John 14, verse 6 says, <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, John 11, verse 25 through 26. Jesus is talking to Martha here. And if you have your Bibles, I really would like you to open up to that because um, I'm going to extend those verses just a little bit. Uh, Martha was talking to Jesus, and her brother Lazarus had just died. And Martha said to her in verse 21, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, 
he shall live. That is a key verse in scripture about salvation. Jesus is the resurrection, and he is the life, he who believes in Jesus. Though we may die, we shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And um, if you follow that down a little bit, he goes in, and that's when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and the rejoicing that took place. But he resurrected Lazarus, but at some point, Lazarus was going to have to die again, wasn't he? Okay, Matthew 24. Now, this is the chapter that you go to um, uh, to talk about the signs that Jesus gives. One of the signs is, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, oh, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and they were just doing what they were doing until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. It was too late. They missed the boat. So also will be the coming the Son of Man. People will just be going around doing their thing. That's why we're always supposed to be a watchman and always looking up, doing our thing, but with the idea that, did you know Maranatha means perhaps today? When they say Maranatha, it used to be a greeting that people would give, and it means perhaps today. Hey, perhaps today what? Well, let me tell you about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, um, let's go why the rapture. Well, why did, will Jesus take his bride away? There is a spiritual war going on. And if we go to Ephesians 6, 12, war, there's war in the heaven. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a war going on in heaven. And the second battlefield, the, first, the two battlefields, one is in heaven, and that's God's territory. But in the earth, it's dominated by men's choices and their sinful nature that they have, and it's definitely Satan's territory of attack. Let's turn the page. <clears throat> Ezekiel 38 is a chapter that you might want to, to read as far as the end times go. Uh, the war that is going on and being brought together in, on the earth is Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And be attuned to what's happening with those three countries because they all are very much against Israel right now. And God knows the thoughts of all these leaders 
of the nations and knows what their plans are going to be towards Israel and which are his chosen people. So that war is being set up even as we speak. And God calls us to be the ambassadors. And um, um, a thought went, but I'm going to go ahead. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And that's our part in the war. Revelation 3.10, Jesus is warning the church of Sardis, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, remember we're to be watchmen and ambassadors, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. <clears throat> if we're not watching, we might be as surprised as everybody else. All right? <clears throat> First Thessalonians. Um, let me back up there. That doesn't mean that you won't go in the rapture. Because if you are saved by grace, through your faith, in the precious blood of the Lamb, and Holy Spirit is residing in you, when God comes and gets his church, you might be asleep and not watching, but you will go. You might be doing something in life, but you will go. <laughs> so just don't be thinking, because you're not doing this, going around, that you might miss it. If you belong to Jesus and part of his bride, part of his church that he bought by his precious blood, you will be going in the rapture. All right? First um, Thessalonians 1.10 To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In your notes right there, uh, there's another additional one that I want to give you, and it's John 3.36. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who doesn't believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So it's through Christ, and that's the ones that are going to go in the rapture. So let me go skip down to the order of the rapture, because we only have a few minutes. The order of the rapture is Jesus descends from heaven, the trumpet call, from 1 Thessalonians 4.16. He resurrects um, those who have fallen asleep and those who are alive are caught up and he receives us to himself in the air. And it's very important that you know the rapture. He doesn't come back and gather us. He's there in the air and he brings us to himself. Um, very important that we skip down to the difference between the rapture and the second coming. The rapture, Jesus comes back to get the church, 
his bride in the air. Seven years later, after the tribulation, his, his second coming, and Jesus comes back with his bride to the earth to rule and reign for a thousand years. It even tells us where he comes. He puts his foot on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And that's from where he will reign. <clears throat> so to sum it up, the rapture. It fulfills the promise of Christ that he has given us. It is the blessed hope of all believers. It is the rescue from the evil one. And it is the gathering of the saints. And it could be the last chance for the Gentiles to believe in Jesus. Just a clue, the tribulation, which so many people are afraid to read the book of Revelation because it scares them, it's, there's a big chunk from uh, five, uh, six, chapter 6 all the way through 18 <clears throat> about the tribulation and what's happening there. We are gone. The church is gone. We're spending time with the Lord, getting ready for whatever he has for us during that thousand-year reign. But <clears throat> what's going on down there is purposefully to get the chosen people that rejected him so long ago back, coming back to realize the Antichrist comes up. He's wicked, but they think he's God. He think, they think he's the Messiah. But then he goes in and says, I'm God, in the middle of their temple. And it scatters them. And the whole thing is that Jesus and the wrath of God comes down, cleanses the earth, gets the earth and the people ready for when he comes back to reign. Uh, and there's a lot more to that. <laughs> um, so is there just, I have any questions? Any questions? I hope that that drives you, that you want to know more about that time. I wanted you to have the papers so that you can go and, in your own Bibles, search it out. And these are just things that are scratching the surface of that whole topic. So, no questions? Okay, I'll be up here if you want to ask. Okay. Well, Father, thank you, God, for teaching us. Lord, your word is so true. We trust it. We trust you, God, um, that your word, your way, your will will be accomplished. And you have set it up and you know about it. Thank you for taking care of your church. Thank you for Jesus and sending us the Holy Spirit to help us through all these things. Give us the wisdom and the understanding and put it, ingrain it on our hearts so that we know you don't mean to scare us. You're just trying to prepare us and make us the best ambassadors that we can be. Thank you for your plans. May they be accomplished. And Father, we just love you so much. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. <clears throat> okay, it's 8 o'clock. Kids should be in. Y'all are awful quiet. <clears throat>